This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode number 80, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Burlansky, and as always, I am joined by my co-host Nick Horwat and Horwat. This week, I don't know if anything actually happened. There's not much news to talk about for the Penguins this week. Yeah, that's it. You know, there it is. Cut and dry episode 80. Uh, I mean, I guess we could do shout outs and call outs. There's nothing else going on. But no, in a real sense, we have so much to talk about. So many moves happen. The entire landscape and the entire framework of the Pittsburgh Penguins roster has changed in the past seven days. So we're going to go down move by move. It's it's not in chronological order because I don't know why I, I should have probably done that. But we're going to talk about every single move. That has happened in this past week, as I mentioned, I mean, with the draft, with free agency starting, and with some other things that happened before that, we have a lot to discuss. So, Horwat, let me first say, how are you? Let's let, let's get the pleasantries out of the way here first. How have you been? How was your past week? And uh, how was it experiencing watching all of this happen in one condensed week? Honestly, it feels like I'm still watching the draft a little bit. I watched most of the second round, I think I watched... Oh, at least six whole rounds of it. I sat back, did nothing all day, had the draft on in the background. Um, that's mostly because I uh, was writing for it, for the hockey writers, for the Penguins and their picks, which we will discuss maybe at length. They were weird picks, to say the least, I thought. But um, other than that, yeah, the draft was long. My week was also long, and I am tuning up for another long week. I work eight hours tomorrow. Hey, so do I. So, I mean, the grind never stops for us here at the tip of the iceberg. But what do you say we get into this week's show? Starting off with probably the biggest news, even though it was the news that we expected to happen. And that is Matt Murray getting traded away from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He got shipped up to Ottawa for John Gruden and a second round pick. No, we didn't trade him for the head coach of the Las Vegas Raider. But he is the son of Coach John Gruden. Again, oh. no, not the one from... Oh. The Las Vegas Raiders. That, I, he that, is the, you, you got me there for a second. <laughs> I, I did get you there for a second. No, his father is the assistant coach of the New York Islanders, uh, also named right. John Gruden. I figured I'd, I'd toss that in there as well. But uh, Gruden played last season with the London Knights of the OHL, scoring 30 goals and 66 points in just 59 games played. So, I mean, I could see this kid, before we get into to what it meant to lose a guy like Matt Murray and, and him leaving. I see you have the Matt Murray shirt behind you from Team North America in 2016. But from all intents and purposes, we talked to Shane Ryan from the Sends Hour podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And his scouting report is he could possibly be a solid bottom six forward. And it seems in my prediction that he would be on track to possibly, if he continues this progression, be on the Pens roster around 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's another bottom six depth piece that we have a thousand of now, so. Yeah, it seems like Jim Rutherford took a play out of the Dubas playbook and said, bottom six forwards, let's just give them all league minimum contracts, and if we have 20 over that we needed, then our AHL team will be good. Yeah, and, and you know what? The AHL team might be good this year, finally. <laughs> Not finally. I mean, they only took, what, two years off, So, but continue. Yeah. 
Uh, that's the most I have on it. I mean, as for Gruden, I know nothing else about him. I mean, he's a bottom six guy. He's got a fun name, and the draft pick we got back with him, we used on a goalie. So, Yeah, and we'll get into all that later when we talk about the NHL draft, but as far as this trade goes, I mean, we had to expect that Matt Murray was going to get traded. At the beginning of the week, it kind of started to seem like it might not happen for a little bit because it didn't seem like teams were willing to budge considering how many unrestricted free agent goaltenders were in the league. And as you look at it, there's still a pretty good bit of unrestricted free agent goaltenders right now. So it seemed as if the trading of Matt Murray was going to be pushed back until teams could see what they wanted. But the Ottawa Senators, they penciled the guy that they wanted. They went after him. And now Matt Murray is probably going to be the starting goaltender for the Ottawa Senators, I, w- I would have to imagine. Yeah, Pierre Dorian said he's going to be the number one. I think what really drove people nuts with the trade was whenever the rumor came out that um, he had turned down 5 over 5 with Chicago, which... I don't, I don't know the how true that could be because that's a good deal, but if you're looking for more than that from you, as a Matt Murray, I mean, I mean, you know what? Mark Madden said this. I mean, an arbitrator. Let's say this goes to ar- his deal was to go to arbitration. He was gonna get more than that because as an arbitrator, you're gonna look at 26 years old, already has two championships under his belt, and a relatively good um, regular season record. Took his team to the playoffs all four or five years of his career already. Uh, an arbitrator is going to look at that and say, yeah, you deserve every cent you can get. So um, anything below seven without arbitration, I think was decent for him because that's probably what he would have gotten through that. Was he worth more than five in our eyes? Ugh, I don't know. Maybe a little over. I was thinking maybe five and a half, but him getting six is pretty good. Yeah, and it's all about perspective, and it's all about the situation that your organization is is in. And right now, the Ottawa Senators were in a position where, yeah, we got to reach the cap floor. Yeah, we know we're not going to contend for the Stanley Cup next year, so why not give this guy a, a little bit extra money, make sure we don't go to that salary arbitration, get him at a number that is okay for him and that's workable for us. And I think it really worked out for him. And, you know, we've both said it on this show, I wish him all the best. I hope he goes up there and excels in, in Ottawa, especially with those 2D logo jerseys now, because those are fresh, I think especially the, wh- the black ones. I think the white ones are nicer. That's just me. I don't... Hey, I mean, it, it, personal preference. Yep. And like we mentioned, Matt Murray didn't really have a spot, especially two days prior to this trade going through, Tristan Jari gets his contract extension. We talked about that on episode 79 of the Tip of the Iceberg. Go check that out. Yep. But if you look at it, Jari was going to be penciled in as the number one. Casey DeSmith, easy heir apparent to the backup role. Yep. And it looks like the dominoes just fell the whole way down the Penguins organization depth chart. And it looked like there was no space for Matt Murray, even though we did qualify him. That was just to hold on to his rights, unlike what we did with Dom Simone, which uh, we were going to talk about, but I don't think we're going to have time to today. But Dom Simone is currently an unrestricted free agent, unless I missed something in this past crazy week that has been happening. But Past 20 minutes? I don't think. I think we're good. (laughs) <laughs> but as we, as we keep talking here, let's just close out the Bat Murray trade. I mean, what did you think about the return being a, a mid-tier prospect and a second-round pick? Well, I'm going to start with I got the candle burning here. I lit it before we started, so I didn't have to get torched again online. Um, put that to the side. I pulled out all the stops from Murray because I mentioned a few weeks ago I have a shirt that says that it's the old uh, 
past, present, future shirt. I found it in the back. Uh, the past is number 35 for Tom Barrasso. The present, number 29 for Flurry. So this might be relevant again someday. Um, and then the future for number 30 for Matt Murray. But um, all the best of Murray going forward. And as for the trade itself, you know what? It was bound to happen. I'm glad we got what we did. I mean, considering we wanted a first and we knew we weren't going to get one, Getting a second and a good prospect is a great deal. Great move. I heard people bashing this trade left and right across uh, hockey media. But guess what? We weren't going to be able to handle them. And getting a prospect in return and maybe another goalie prospect sounds good to me. Yeah, I think the big issue with people's problems with the return is they heard that Rutherford was asking for a first-round pick. So whenever it came out and it was a second-round pick and a prospect – Everybody was up in arms. Well, you're not getting a first-round pick for Matt Murray. Not in the climate right now with the goaltenders and not in the climate right now with the salary cap. You weren't going to get that first-round pick from anybody, especially in this draft. So the you look at it and you say, well, Rutherford wanted to get a pick in this draft a little bit higher than 77, which is what yeah. he was initially slated to be the first pick. And that's what he got. And then he also got a guy in Jonathan Gruden who played exceptionally well in the OHL last Very year well, over a point yeah. per game, and he's only 20 years old. So you get a future consideration player and a possible, like you said, a possible goaltender who we'll talk about later. So I feel like the return for this was as good as it was going to get. I was not expecting it to be Ottawa, although I was leaning towards a bottom tier team as other than a top tier team, which is what other people were leaning towards because Matt Murray is still technically a young goaltender. He's getting yeah. towards the beginning of where his prime years would go for just a normal goaltender, I, sh I would say. So, I think at the end of the day, Jim Rutherford did a really good job offloading offloading that player. Matt Murray, of course, a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We thank him for everything he did there. Some of those runs were glorious, the way that he played in net. I mean, you go to 2017, the back-to-back -back shutouts in Game 5 and Game 6 to clinch the Cup. So we really appreciate everything Matt Murray did for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but everybody knew it was time for him to go, and this is the perfect return for a guy like that. Yeah, and not only is this the perfect return, I mean, I, we got a perfect segue that uh, everyone thought this trade wasn't going to happen without Jack Johnson being part of it, and guess what? It happened without Jack Johnson being part of it because yeah. right after we dropped our episode, Jack Johnson got bought out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it kind of sucked for us because, yeah, we just dropped an episode, and yeah, we both had very busy weeks this past week, so we couldn't record an emergency podcast but on the bright side, at least we're not Jay Fresh who had to change his entire image <laughs> on social media. But he, he was looking for an excuse to do that anyway. So there he, there you go. And Jack Johnson is still playing in the NHL. So an, another bonus for Jay Fresh. But the Penguins did buy out Jack Johnson, something I didn't say or see was going to happen. Because if you listen to last week's episode again, episode 79, I said, this is not how the Penguins do business. And it is not. They even, I've heard a couple of people say this is the first time the Penguins have bought a player out in so long because that's not how Mario Lemieux wants to do business. Yeah. That's not the way that he wants to do business. So the fact that the Penguins went and bought out Jack Johnson, they finally admitted how big of a mistake it was. And before I let you, you go off right now, I do want to mention that we will have a cap hit for him now for the next six years. I'll read down these years and how much the cap hit is. It, I mean, it's a lot better than 3.25 that we were going to be paying him for the next three it's years. A, but it's, it's a lot better than 3.25 with him on the ice. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so 
This next season, $1.67 million, same for next season. Then in 2022-23, we're going to pay him $1.9 million, which is going to be the highest cap hit that he's going to have. And then the following three years, $917,000. But again, like you mentioned, it's probably worth it for him not to be on the ice for you, especially if you're trying to win a cup in these next two seasons. Yeah, I mean, if this if this cap stays flat, then it's going to bite you in the ass a little bit. But for now, it being smaller than what he was making, and now he's also off the ice, it's a benefit. Um, will I light this candle for Jack Johnson? Yes. Screw it. He had half of a good season here, maybe. He maybe had in total of half of a good season, if you consider maybe some good games scattered throughout. Um, but for the most part, I think I laid a lot of it out last week. Anytime people talk bad about Jack Johnson, I get the little sense in the back of my head of, man, that's just mean because he is a human being and he's gone through some shit off the ice. Mm-hmm. But on the ice, yeah, his play couldn't back anything up. And honestly, for Jack Johnson, this might be the smartest move at the moment because not only are you getting paid by us, you found a new job in New York where you're going to get paid by them and you might still have a job on the ice. So Yeah, I mean, he got a one-year deal from the New York Rangers for over a million dollars. So for him, you. he gets the security in which he's going to get paid for the next six years by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now he gets a deal that he's going to get another $1.5 million and he's going to actually get to play next year and he's going to get to move to New York City. He's going to so, get, He's going to get to play on a damn good team too. Yeah, get to play with one of the most electrifying young players or at least what is expected to be one of the most electrifying young players in the NHL and Alexi Lafreniere. And like we mentioned, we're going to get into NHL draft talk a little bit later Mm -hmm. here. But of course, with Jack Johnson leaving, you kind of had to see that coming too because when we got Mike Matheson, Rutherford had the whole, listen, Jack Johnson is going to have to either switch sides or he's going to really have to earn a spot on this team. And you kind of had the sense of, okay, it seems like he's not in your plans anymore, but I just didn't see the buyout coming. So no no one did. it is definitely something that took me by surprise. I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it whenever I saw the news feed, whenever I saw that that was happening. It was insane to think about the fact that for the first time in a long time, if ever, I, I'm pretty sure I heard if ever, but I'm not 100% positive on that, that the Penguins bought a player out. So, I mean, good luck to Jack Johnson in New York. I'm very glad that we're going to get to play him a couple times next year. So we'll see what Sid and Gino can do against him next season. But who knows? Maybe the Rangers have a better idea of how to uh, use him than the Penguins did, even though it is Jacques Martin that's up there too. If And if I can remember correctly, Jack Johnson has a history of playing fairly decent against us. When he was in Columbus, yeah, he played pretty decent yeah, against like, us. If I, can, if, if, I mean, I'll try and pull up splits real quickly, but I mean, um, other than obviously just him being gone it's gonna be good news for us by way of now we have a new um third line defenseman that should be better i said before he was in matheson he was a better player on a worse team so who knows what that leads to and okay in 26 games against the penguins jack johnson's 11 points one goal and i believe i was at that game (laughs) Yeah, it almost seems like he scored more against us, yeah. doesn't it? Well, I mean, it is Jack Johnson, so even when he scores, it feels like it counts as five different goals. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of his highest point totals are against West Coast teams, but that's because he was a rocket in Los Angeles for a little bit, so. Yeah. But um, he'll, he's gone, he'll be in New York now, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, that's to say the least. I mean, okay, so he might get healthy where we're scratched. at now. 
Yeah, maybe. I hope he, if he gets healthy scratched, it'll only be against us because why can we ever enjoy playing against Jack Johnson ever again? Right. So Matt Murray's gone. Mm-hmm. Jack Johnson's gone. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the players the Pittsburgh Penguins brought into their organization this week, starting with Sam Lafferty being signed the day before unrestricted free agency was supposed to start, getting a pretty decent contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins, getting one that I thought was a bargain for him. I thought he was going to make a little bit more money, but he goes for 750k for two seasons on the cap hit. Sam Lafferty probably gets a chance to be in the lineup pretty consistently next year, don't you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because, it's first of all, it's a one-way contract. So yeah. So he's either going to be on the ice or in the booth. Um, and he is a damn wrecking ball on skates. Uh, he really is. I was thinking about it shortly after he got signed that Sam Lafferty plays a very, if anybody remembers this little time he spent here, if anyone remembers Carter Rowney, he's, yeah. he is a Carter Rowney with a bit more of a scoring touch. Now, did you make that comparison because they both wore number 37? I actually totally forgot about that. (laughs) And really thinking back, the number 37 uh, is just designated for number for players on this team that are wrecking balls. Because I'm also thinking of Yarko Rutu. (laughs) But (laughs) what a name. um, Sam Lafferty. Like I said, he's just a wrecking ball on skates. And I brought up the Carter Rowney reference because I don't think Rowney knew how to stop. Exactly. Lafferty at least knows how to stop, and he gets a little bit of scoring touch and skating ability from it. He made huge strides in his uh, growth. I always forget the word progress. You know what the word I'm looking for is. Development. Development, thank you. I always forget the word development. I got you, Um, bud. Yeah, he made huge strides in his development this past season, and it's going to keep going. He's hitting his stride now, at least. He'll be getting a little more experience. He'll be consistently in the lineup, it seems, and it's where he should be. He's going to rock a fourth line with Bluger, I think. Yeah, it's it's really good for him and nice to see the the quote-unquote Pittsburgh kid, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show before. If not, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. But the quote-unquote Pittsburgh kid getting the one-way deal after having a pretty good rookie season where he wasn't supposed to be in the lineup. Yeah, He was not supposed to have a chance to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. But, of course, with everything due to injuries and and stuff that you mentioned as well, he had a good rookie season. He had a couple nice goals. The one that first one that comes to mind is his goal against the St. Louis Blues, where he completely undresses Derek Pouliot, then goes top shelf on Jordan Bennington. So he has a lot of room to grow still. He had a good rookie season, and like you said, wrecking ball. The kid loves to throw the body. And the two people that the Penguins were most impressed with at their training camp coming back into the return to play, Sam Lafferty. And Evan Rodriguez, who they also decided to re-sign and bring him back, which is again such a weird thing. What happened? Because <laughs> you trade him away as part of the Kasperi Kapanen trade. Toronto doesn't qualify him. Boom, he's an unrestricted free agent. And then the Penguins say, you know what? Why not? One year, seven hundred thousand dollar. Bring him on back. They loved him in that NHL return to play training camp. So Evan Rodriguez. Back in the Penguins lineup. What did you think about that signing? I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was I was indifferent. It was like nothing happened, I guess, except for a trade that uh, anger aggravated me a lot. Does it? Does this re-signing make the trade better or worse? Guy, that's the I one think thing. It just I, takes his name out of the trade. Yeah, that's the one thing I couldn't balance in my head. I was like, does it improve or worsen the trade? Because it's just taking him out of it essentially. 
when we were talking about that trade, a lot of it was, well, we also gave them an NHL player in Evan Rodriguez, and now we didn't give them an NHL player in yeah. Evan Rodriguez because we just got him back for cheaper. Because remember, he had a $2 yeah. million dollar cap hit. Yeah. So now he's on league minimum at 700 k So, I mean, if the Penguins wanted him in their organization, they definitely, I guess, did this the right way. But do you think that there's a possibility that Rutherford looked at Dubas and said, hey, if we include him in it, well, no, because then they would just would not have had to yeah. qualify him. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what was up with that. I all of a sudden don't understand what it means to be an RFA, any, RFA anymore, considering how many people just didn't get qualifying offers and there was no issue with it. That's the COVID thing. Yeah. It's the COVID thing. It's, do you want to continue to have his rights? You have to give him a qualifying offer. And a lot of people were like, no, because if I end up going to arbitration, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I won't have a lot of these players now, especially with the holdouts, they're going to arbitration more now than ever. So these RFAs, if you're not sure that you can get them for what will help your team, sometimes you just got to let them go to unrestricted free agency. And that happened more this year than I can ever remember. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what was putting me over the edge with Rodriguez is that he's making how much money to be a healthy scratch and be, you know, in the nine games I think he played okay uh, hey you know if he's got improvement and he's making less money screw it i'm about it let's go bring him back listen lafferty rodriguez and the other man they signed on friday mark jankowski all play the same position and when i say the same position i mean they both can play multiple positions all three of those guys play center mm-hmm. and left wing and if you have listened to this show or if you have ever heard mike sullivan and or jim rutherford speak what do they love I love when players can play multiple positions up and down the lineup. Well, I feel like that's what Sam Lafferty can do. I feel like that's what Evan Rodriguez can do. It sounds like that's what Mark Jankowski can do. The guy is a brick shithouse. Tall depth centers. Yeah, exactly. So Mark Jankowski coming over from the Calgary Flames, getting a, I believe it was a one-year $700,000 deal as well. So... The, the guy's 26, and I think, I, as I said, 6'4". Did I already say that? No, but I, I was going to touch on it because he's 6'4". It's a tale as old as time, man. The Penguins and tall depth centers. That's all it is. Who did you post in that? Because you posted something about that. <laughs> who who all? Um, It was Jordan Stahl, who's 6'4". Yeah. Brandon's, I know Bukestad was in Bukestad's there. Bukestad's in it because he's 6'6". Brandon Sutter was, that, was the other one because he was 6'3", right. and I let it slide. Yeah, because that's tall. It's taller than me. <laughs> um, and the new one, Mark Jankowski, who's six four. So, depth yeah. centers and the Pittsburgh Penguins are as tall as old as time. I tried looking for like a really old one, and I was my original thought was Dulemieu because he was also six four. He's not really a depth. But he's not. I but say. I my uh, also my <laughs> original tweet also didn't have depth in it. It was just tall centers. Fair enough. But then I remembered uh, Sutter, Sutter, Suter, however the hell his name is. Sutter. Sutter, yeah. So I was like, you know what? He's tall. It's depth now. So with the first two guys we talked about, Lafferty, Rodriguez, you kind of have an idea of what they're about because we saw, even if it was nine games, we saw Rodriguez play those nine games. Then we saw him throughout training camp and how good he looked. Same with Lafferty. He played a little bit more than nine, but he still didn't play a whole lot of games, but we still got to see him in a Penguins uniform. So I want to go in a little bit on Mark Jankowski, who mm-hmm. is going to be the new guy in that bottom six, going to be the guy that we've never seen before. I told you he started with the Calgary Flames. He spent the last four seasons with the Calgary Flames, a couple seasons with their AHL affiliate, the Stockton Heat. But 
He did score 17 goals in 17-18. Yeah. He scored 14 in 18-19. Yes, he only had five last year, which is a rough year. But if he can get back over 10 goals, I don't see any reason that this isn't a home run of a move by general manager Jim Rutherford. What you didn't mention there, what you should have, was how many assists he also had that uh, second season. Yeah. 18. 32 total points that season. Uh, This is the kind of depth center you want to look for, I'd say. Yeah, he had a yeah. bad season, but the, the Calgary Flames are a weird team, man. Like you can't who who scores on who scores on that team this year? No one. Exactly. Um, you would normally say Johnny Goudreau, uh, Sean Monahan. Oh, I forgot about Brady Kachuk. Brady. Matthew Matthews. Matthew Kachuk. Brady's in Ottawa. Yes. Uh, normally you'd say those players, but this past year it was no one. Um. But the year before, whenever it would have been guys like that, he had 14, and he was included in that scoring touch, it seemed, including 18 assists, which is very important, especially on this team, for a third-line center. I think he's going to play at 3C and be great at it. Uh, if he can return to that kind of form, which really, given a team with a little more stability, I mean, I'm not going to say less drama, but I'm going to say a little more stability at least, it should bring some kind of touchback. I'm not saying 32 points good, but maybe 15, 20, maybe 30. Yeah, I mean, if we get past 10, I'm happy. Because he is touted for his defensive play as that well. Too. That's something else we didn't mention. He is a very good defensive player. As we already mentioned Jay Fresh in this episode, he posted one of his analytics data graphs about how good Mark Jankowski is in his own end and how good he is defensively. So that's a big thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially when you're kind of retooling the bottom of your defense core because you're going to have new guys like Matheson coming in. When they're trying to get used to this system, you need a forward that's going to be able to come back and help them, especially in those early games, which if it's a 48-game season, those early games are going to be very important. So this is a really good signing by general manager Jim Rutherford. I, I love it a lot. I think he's going to be a great fourth-line center. To me, he's the fourth-line center. And mm-hmm. I, I did post a lineup card, and I guess we'll get into it in a little bit because a lot of people were, were asking me where a certain Penguins prospect is. So we'll get into yeah. that in a little bit here. But for right now, unless you have anything else, any last words on Mark Jankowski before we move on, Horwat? Uh, What number is he going to wear? He was a big 7-7. Seven, seven. And uh, unless he already said that, and I don't know, but he has a big 77 in uh, <laughs> Calgary. Yeah, we'll keep our uh, nose to the grindstone to try to look for those that news. But we're going to move on here on the tip of the iceberg, episode 80. When we come back from the break, we have a draft recap. And then the Penguins, of course, signing three more players on Saturday afternoon. So we'll have all that, plus Penn's poll and shout-outs and calls to round out the show. But before that, a quick word from our friends at Manscaped. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. 
featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawn Mower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode number 80. Horwat, we've had a busy week, and we've only just gotten started getting through the news. Of course, the NHL entry draft happened on Tuesday and Wednesday this past week. The Penguins went into it. Their first pick was going to be the 77th overall pick, but as we talked about a little bit earlier, Matt Murray was traded to the Ottawa Senators for prospect Jonathan Gruden, as well as the 52nd overall pick in which the Penguins selected Joel Blomqvist, the goaltender from Finland. I mean, the Penguins and their Finnish goaltenders, uh-huh. now they have Larmy in the system and they have Blomqvist. So after that, and we'll talk about those first two after we talk about the 77th pick, Callie Klang, also a goaltender <laughs> from Sweden. So the Penguins picked two goaltenders. A lot of people were confused by this, but what did you think about the two selections? So... First of all, yeah, you mentioned that we've had a busy week. We've had a busy episode as I had a wardrobe change and during that break I got a little warm. Um, <laughs> so, not going to lie, as soon as you got back on the camera, I thought that said Elmo is dead. And I was like, what kind uh, of dark t-shirt uh, <laughs> did you just switch into for this segment? No, it's Emo is dead. It's in music. Shout out to uh, Ish for uh, <laughs> some Emo music. But Joel Blomquist, when we first made the pick... I was confused immediately because we just traded away a goalie. I guess you got to fill the hole in the depth chart somehow. Don't know if he's coming over exactly yet. <laughs> but um, it's something to look forward to in the future, I guess. But what really threw me off was whenever we made the pick for Callie Klang in the 77th overall. Because now you're two picks into the draft. You're out of the top 100 and you haven't picked a skater yet. And now you got two goalies in your system that you're kind of really question not questioning but um it's gonna be weird going forward with two goalies in your system that are just in europe and you just drafted them especially considering our goaltending depth it might be set at what it is for a little while it's confusing it's weird but odds are i think one of them just we won't see any time it'll just be one of those picks that kind of goes by the wayside forever uh i won't say which one because it could be either of them but as of right now, Blomquist has played fairly well in SM Liga, I believe is the one he is in. Yeah, he's he's in the Liga in Finland. Yes, while Klang... I oh know, Blomquist is with Carpat. Klang is pl- currently playing on loan somewhere in Sweden. So their situations are going to be confusing, but fun to watch because goalies are always fun to watch. Uh, and the, But going down the rest of it, here we go. Let's try and pronounce this one. With our third pick, Lucas Svestjovsky. If if you pronounce yeah, if you pronounce close. all the letters, I'm sure there's silent ones. 
Svechkovsky, yeah. Yeah. A Czech. I wrote it down. I took all these notes for the draft. Yes, a U.S. and Czech native. Um, is about to go play or about to go try out for the U.S. junior national team. So he's got something going for him. Um, plays with the Medicine Hat Tigers of the WHL. Yeah, that's all I really know about him. I like how you said he has something going for him as if he didn't just get drafted to an NHL team. <laughs> he's got a lot going for him right now. Yeah, but according to, I believe it was our dra- or, uh, our head scout, he's like a Swiss Army Knife type player. Mm-hmm. He can kind of do anything. Um, do you have any comments before I just continue rolling down? Because no, I, go ahead. I'm the la- get the last two guys in here, and then I will actually cl- comment on what you talked about with the goaltenders. Okay, cool. Uh, and then going down to the 149th overall pick, a right winger who plays with Nathan Lagare at uh, by a Q- the Q in the QMJHL. I'm not going to attempt the name right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ravis Ansons, who I mean, hey, Lagare likes him. He uh, seems you know he's been seen a lot by our scouts because we're watching Lagare, so we're watching him by default as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 60 games. Uh, last season, 13 goals and 22 assists. You don't hate it. Even if it's the Q, you don't hate it. And our fourth, fifth, and final pick, who I think we should have the most eye on because he's another college kid. We know how much the Penguins love their college kids. Um, what's his first name? Chase Yoder from Providence in the NCAA. He's a freshman, and uh, he's got the most looking up for him. He is going to. He will absolutely be a depth piece, penalty killer third fourth line guy no higher he's not a numbers guy but um is out there to play defense at a forward position he's got room to grow he's got however many years he wants in the ncaa yep i mean with anson's now and with felix robert earlier in the year it really shows how much the pittsburgh penguins like their top two draft picks from last season in Poulan and legere mm-hmm. now that they're bringing in their line mates and their teammates so it might just be like what you said, probably exactly what you said. They just have scouts there to watch their guys, so they're noticing other players as well. But at the same time, when you mention goaltenders, and you talked about it a little bit and you touched on a little bit, why would we get to, well, in the draft, to me, one, it's all funny money. You don't know how anybody is going to pan out. And to me, you're drafting for need in a couple years. Your need right now was depth forwards you're not going to get a guy in the draft especially when you're starting with the 52nd overall pick you're not going to get a guy that's going to help you the next two years even in your bottom six so the problem being in a couple years yeah they're going to need goaltenders because think about back in 2017 Marc-Andre Fleury was the number one guy still bouncing back and forth with Matt Murray Mm -hmm. both of those guys are gone now yeah for now you haven't really supplanted them with anybody since 2017, have you? I mean, you brought in Emil Larmy, but that's it. If you even look after Emil Larmy, so right now we have Jari as our number one, solidified. Casey DeSmith, NHL backup, solidified. Emil Larmy, probably going to be the AHL either starter or split starts with somebody that the Penguins signed. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Alex besides Dorio. that, I mean... Do you really see Alex DeOrio ever putting on a Penguin sweater? No, but he's in the system and will probably be playing with Larmy. Who knows? I would have to guess now Alex DeOrio starts the season in Wheeling again. 
Yeah, probably. To be a starter and get some sort of experience. Yeah, so the thing is, especially with second and third round picks, and the Penguins have a history with these kind of picks. It takes them three, maybe four years a lot of the time to make that start. You want to look at some examples? I do have some examples. You look at Jake Gensel, drafted in the third round in 2013, played a couple seasons at Nebraska of Omaha, then he comes up after about three seasons. Brian Rust, same thing, went and played college hockey. Three years, four years, then comes up. You even look at a guy like John Marino. We thought he got he came out of a cannon, but guess what? He played at Harvard. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he wasn't developing, and it's not like he just got drafted. It was a couple years from his draft day until he came back, which is also why when I decided to put out my roster, I don't necessarily have Sam Poulin on that opening night roster as of right now. As much as I'd love it, as much as I'd love it, it's only been one season. And yes, I get that we would be into the second season as of right now, But if we were very serious about that, something about me says that he wouldn't be in Sherbrooke right now getting ready for the QMJHL season. Yeah. The Sam Poulin cracking the roster thing is funny because at first, before the draft, I'm thinking it's very possible he could crack this roster before the draft and free agency because I'm not expecting us to bring back Rodriguez. I'm not expecting us to to bring in Jankowski. So I'm thinking maybe he has a shot, you know, but, you know, Rutherford and his depth center is just pushing him down. I'm very proud of my hastily made Snapchat (laughs) meme of Danny DeVito being Jim Rutherford pushing him off the cliff, but he'll be here one day. Sam Poulin will absolutely be here one day. Legere will probably also get a great chance one day. There are guys that we will eventually see in this lineup. It's just a matter of when it will be. It probably just isn't going to be this year and that's something to get used to but we're bringing in guys to take over a position that can play now and that's what we're looking for winning now playing now going forward we can bring more of their of the young young youth not just guys like Lafferty or Angelo back who we're about to get to I'm sure as I'd like to bring up right now the fact that everybody has talked about the Penguins lack of organizational depth and their lack of a prospect pool. Why do you think we have a lack of a prospect pool? We won two Stanley Cups in 2016 and 17 built on minor league call-ups. We ran out of them. We used them all to win two Stanley Cups. So it's pretty hard to build that back up. So why are we rushing players that can still have time to develop when we can leave them there, build up our prospect pool, and when we're ready to go for another cup run, which we mentioned either last episode or an episode before that, I don't See them as serious contenders as of right now. They have to prove some stuff. So, you know what? Maybe they can prove some stuff and be up by the end of the season. Maybe Sam Poulin can be up by the end of the season. Langaray, on the other hand, I don't think that's something that you see happening. Uh, I see what you're saying there. It's just a matter of, can we pull up from the queue? I mean, once the season ends, they they can. And if they need to be called up, I don't know all the logistics of that. But I would imagine that if you want to bring a guy up from the queue, they are aware that the rights are owned by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. He is under contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and there is a financial thing coming from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I don't know how all of that works, but I feel like you could see a player like Sam Poulin make a late-season call-up. Maybe not like Jake Gensel, where he played almost a half season in his first year, but it might be something that around the – Trade deadline, they say instead of trading for a player, even though we have some cap space left, which 
scares the ever-living out of me. <laughs> but they might say, instead of trying to trade for somebody, why don't we just bring up our young, hotshot first-round pick? It's something that it's going to be touch and go, but that's why I don't believe they're going to be on the opening night roster. I feel like Jim Rutherford's ready to just sit there and let them kind of stew in the queue and let them just build their success there and build their bodies and get ready for either, like I said, with Poulin this year, maybe. With Lagare, you probably don't see him this year. He Especially because Lagare had a bit of a drop-off year, apparently, last season. But, no, I don't think any of our prospects will be making it opening night roster. The main course there probably would have been uh, P.O. Joseph. But now we have more stacked defense, so he's been pushed down as well. He could crack a lineup, though, midseason, and his will be easier to bring up and down from the minors. Um, Sam Poole and I can see cracking a lineup at some point this year. It might be in a Black Aces situation in the playoffs, though, too, depending on how good his team obviously does because his season needs to be over. So if that's the case, waiting for the playoffs for him, if he can fly in, do a Kale McCarr style, make your first game in the playoffs, go on the next year and win the damn Calder, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome for him. <laughs> um, knock out a year while Lafreniere is going to just own it this year. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that. Hey, I, I wouldn't count out Quentin Byfield. That's fair. Yeah, you never know, too. I mean, McDavid did Stutzla. Win. Who, who yeah. knows? Because, I mean, McDavid didn't win the Calder. He was hurt. Neither did Crosby. But, I mean, that was against Ovechkin. That was against so Ovechkin. See, there's always things happening. Because Ovechkin was drafted a different year. Yep. So there you go. But things anything's possible for all that nonsense. Going forward, we'll just have to see. We have, we have a better core and future than people give us credit for i think because pool i believe is supposed to be really good um if lager a can get back to his form that he had last preseason uh he has the hardest shot in the organization apparently and if we mentioned po joseph he can come in and be a great defensive piece while now we see what our draft picks might be able to grow up and do. And especially you look into the future and you look at the fact that, yes, we have traded a lot of draft picks, especially first overall draft picks and first, oh, not overall, but first round draft picks away just to help the team now. But you have to think that in the near future, that focus is going to get switched and you're going to look at the team that you have on paper right now and say, this is the team that we're going to have to try to win with, especially with the flat cap. You're not going to have much wiggle room. So you're going to need to start getting those first overall picks and first round picks. If you get the opportunity for them, I, I need to stop saying overall instead of first round. I hope we don't get the first overall pick, but maybe one day. Yeah. I, at this point you need to build around free agency and not really around trades. They have $2.5 million in cap space. Like I said, that scares me going into the season. But other than that, I think that the Penguins are pretty well set for the future. I think that, again, like you mentioned, I completely agree that they're a little bit underrated when it goes to prospect systems, but I do agree that it is not one of the strongest. And it is it's definitely probably not, it's definitely not top 10, but I wouldn't doubt yeah. if it wasn't in the top 20. I know a lot of people put us in the 25 to 30 range, but some of these guys could have the potential to be very, very good. And some of these goaltenders, that's what you're going to need. You're going to need a stockpile of goaltenders. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, why the Penguins went out and took both Blomqvist and Klang to start this draft. So uh, unless you have anything else on the NHL draft, they did go out and sign a couple more players this weekend. Uh, nothing else on the draft other than it didn't end. Did it finally end? Oh, no. Is it still going? 
Somebody check NHL Network. It might still be going. <laughs> as, as I mentioned, the Penguins also signed three players on Saturday, unbeknownst to me, because I was in a wedding that day and then got home, checked cap friendly, and was like, okay, I guess we signed three players. Anthony Angelo, Maxime Legacy, and Freddie Gaudreau. Two of them being centers, and then, of course, Legacy being a goaltender. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, you can probably imagine that he's going to split some time with Emil Larmy down in the AHL for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. But the other two, I mean, Angelo played a couple games with the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, so a depth option on a two-way contract. Same with Frederick Goudreau, who played several games with the Nashville Predators in his career already. So, again, some guys that... And if we need reinforcements, which knock on wood, hopefully we don't need reinforcements. But if we do, these guys are down there and we can start to stockpile extra options because we definitely needed them last season. Let's just hope we don't need them this season. Yeah, and I like the Frederick Goudreau signing a lot, actually. I, we saw what he's capable of doing when he played with the Predators in the uh, finals in 2017. We know he can be a good replacement level player and be an NHL player for that matter. Um, Anthony Angelo still has room to grow. That's We saw him for a little bit, but the most I can really say on it, he's got room to grow. And um, Maxim Leg, like Legacy, 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 I guess we'll have to get some clarification on that. I'm going to call him Legacy because it's very close to Manny Legacy, uh, for anyone who remembers that goaltender from a long time ago. Um, was one of those goalies that, was, that got hurt in that circus of a first year with Vegas whenever they had to go to their Kamloops Blazers goalie. Oscar, was that Oscar Dansk? I think it was. Okay. It's a good signing. These are all depth signings. Like I said, they're yep. all right now showing up in the minor league system as far as cap friendly is concerned, which makes sense, which is why none of their cap hits affect the NHL salary cap. So, a good job by Rutherford to get a little bit of depth, especially in a year where depth is going to be very key. A couple years where depth is going to be very key, as if it wasn't already, but even more so now. Yeah. I got nothing else on it. It's, it I, I, like the, I like the signings. They're all good depth signings, and that's what uh, we're looking forward for going forward. I especially like the Goodrell one. I'm going to hold on to that, though. You're going to hold on to that one? Well, we are going to hold on to the rest of this show as we are Moving on here, of course, we're going to end it with Penn's poll and shout-outs and call-outs. But before that, we're going to take another quick ad break. But come on back here to the tip of the iceberg. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bulls broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony Anthony Nunschfander. It's it's any UEN. It's Neunschfander. Anthony Neunschfander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know, I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh no, Jado yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me and I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No. <laughs> We were in terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. 
It was 100% not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to segment three of episode 80 of the tip of the iceberg brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Horwat, we're steamrolling through this episode with so many news segments that we had throughout the last week. Maybe next week we'll have the chance to catch our breath. I mean, doesn't seem like Jim Rutherford has really slowed down since the Penguins lost just over two months ago. It seems like he's been kind of generating news at least once a week with either a coach firing, many trades, and even, you know, with the draft and free agent signings, it's all coming up. And luckily for us, we have no shortage of stuff to talk about. We're good. We're flying through this off season. If you it's a hell can call of a time that. to be alive. <laughs> yeah, off-season, if you can call that. It almost feels like we're more busy now than we were during the regular season. And a, a tweet here from Josh Yohe, which is a fantastic tweet. Jim Rutherford has been Penguins GM for 2,309 days. He has made 54 trades. So on any given day, there's a 2.3% chance he will make a trade. Again, that's from Josh Yohe on Twitter. Just insane numbers for Trader Jim. Does that 2.3% include days after the trade deadline, whenever he's legally not allowed to? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, it, I'm not sure if it is. Because if it doesn't count those, that's a higher percentage, Josh. It's a higher I percentage. mean, still a 2% chance any given day that he makes a trade in the I NHL. Like those odds. I like those odds. <laughs> he also uh, tweeted that the team is now almost completely different from the 2017 Cup team. There's only seven players remaining, or six? There's definitely not that many. Latang, Malkin, Crosby, Rust, Gensel. Gensel was only in 17. Are you talking about 16? There's even less, but... Well, 16 there's less. I think I... Shane Ryan shared the 17 one with us in yeah. the Slack chat. Uh, Dumoulin. And I know I'm missing one. I know I'm missing one. Eh. Maybe I'm not. Well, we'll think about it later. But uh, if while you think about that, try to think about that. I'll go into our Pens poll. The question this week was, if you had to choose a Pens championship team to celebrate a cup win with, which would it be and why? Now, the 2016-17 Penguins, of course, because Twitter only gives us the opportunity to give four answers for a poll. We smashed together the 2016-17 Penguins, and they won with 50% of the vote. The 2009 Penguins got 32% of the vote coming in second. The 1992 Penguins got 14% of the vote, while the 91 Penguins had 4% of the vote. I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of disrespect coming here for the old-timers. I mean, I feel like maybe because there wasn't social media and not everything was taken uh, yeah. a picture of, maybe that plays into it. But if you read Phil Bork's book, he will say that they got – real crazy and in fact he even broke the stanley cup one of those years and found out that you can inscribe there have been players that have broken it and inscribe their name on the interior of the cup so phil bork is now on the exterior and the interior of the stanley cup oh they broke it like that i thought they meant like there was a dent or a chip or something nope the, the top was off wasn't one of those wasn't it one of those two teams where the cup was sunk into the bottom of mario's pool yeah i think that was the same year I want that team then. That. That's they broke the cup and it sank. That's that's the winner. That is the winner. And did you hear uh, Kevin Kevin Stevens' story on Chicklets? 
Yeah, I did. I, I did hear that adds story. to it. Whenever it was in, under his control for the day, and they didn't have like the keeper of the cup back then, so it was kind of just up to them to have it. Uh, and he just left it in a limo, just forgot it, just left the whole damn thirty-five pound trophy in a limo. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned the uh, the Mario in the pool stuff. Uh, at Fly Guy Fly By, J Trav on Twitter, he mentioned in our responses to the Pence poll this week, he said 91 was his pick. Probably one of the only guys that said 91. And he said, that team is the reason there is a quote-unquote keeper of the cup now. Swimming in Mario's pool with it alone yep. makes it enough. But Phil Bork scratched his name in it that year, I think, which he is correct. That is the year that uh, Phil Bork scratched his name inside the Stanley Cup. But there were a couple other responses here. Uh Somebody said, I'd celebrate with the 2009 team, but it was very close between them and the 2016-17 teams. Which, again, not like there was any shortage of footage of those teams celebrating the Cups. And then, of course, State of Hoppy here on the Hockey Podcast Network. He had a question about whether or not he got the party twice it was 16-17, but I don't think that's fair to the other teams. So he then decided he'd go with a pool party at Mario's in 2000. And nine. So thank you to everybody for voting on our poll. Thank you to everybody that responded to our poll. We appreciate that every week. But Horwat, who would you select? Uh, did you say who you would s select? Whichever team I was talking about, yes. Uh, also, a little quick critique on, I know you made the poll. You should have combined the 91 and 92 teams just because it makes sense. Because it was very similar teams. It was, but you of. know what? I was thinking about it because I was like, between it was between those two. Right, because those are the back-to-backs. One of them had. I was like, I was thinking you combine both of them, both the back-to-back -back situations. We just have three options. Yeah, I guess that could have been the option, but I feel like the '91 celebration versus the '92 celebration, Rick Tockett adds a whole lot to that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Mark Recchi though in the first one, you never know. He's I don't know. Eighteen-year-old Mark Recchi. So I mean, you <laughs> you never really know. But I mean, for me personally. It's a little bit of a bias for me, which I guess this is for anybody that voted on it. But I'd say the 2009 Penguins mainly because that was the first championship team of my lifetime. And the the personalities on that team, whether it be uh, Tyler Kennedy, getting the party with Crosby and Malkin would be awesome anyway. But you got guys like Matt Cook, Flower on that team. But some of the other guys, Kunitz would have been hilarious. Gonchar would have been hilarious. So... I don't know why, but I, I would say the 2019. Oh, and also, before I let you say anything else, parting with Max Talbot after that Game 7 mm -hmm. would have been a hell of a time. And I'm not saying there wasn't personality on that 2009 team. The 2008 team had more personality, though. Oh, well, when you have Ryan Whitney and Ryan Malone, that automatically sets you above and beyond anybody else. And George LaRock and Yarko Rutu, who got his second mention this episode. Just, and Michelle Terry and... <laughs> That team, the 2008 team had way more personality than the 2019. Michelle Terrian would use the Stanley Cup as an ashtray. And you know what? Screw it. It'd be worth it. I don't even think that that would be him being disrespectful. I think that's just the best thing he could come up with using the Stanley Cup for. I guarantee it wouldn't be the first time. That's very true. I mean, the amount of stuff that's been in that cup. They need, they need a binder of everything that has been inside the top of the Stanley Cup. Oh, some you'd. I'm sure we'd be horrified at some of it. I'm sure we'd be horrified by most of it, but let's try to save ourselves from that nightmare and let's move on to our shout-outs and call-out segment. 
Shoutouts and callouts brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey, Horwat. This week's shoutouts and callouts is going to be, you know, a lot to choose from this week. A lot happened, so a lot to choose from. Let's go with callouts first. Let, let's get our anger out before we, we finish off with our shoutouts. All right, and I will lead it off with my callout is... This might sound very strange and maybe controversial, but I'm going to go with anyone who thinks the Caps have a very good goaltending tandem this year. <laughs> well, I, you know what? You might be calling me out. You gave me a shout-out last week. I think Lundqvist has a lot to give as a backup, don't you? I'm not saying he doesn't have a lot to give. And he, I really hear me out on this. Lundqvist is old, right? He's obviously going to be the backup to start that season. Because... Uh, Samsonov has played like 60, not even, I don't know, maybe 60 some games. I don't remember how many games he's played in his career. It's 20 something. I'm way off. Um, that's a lot to give, or that's not a lot to give a goalie a starting job like that. It's a little worrisome that he could fall apart for all we know. And Lumquist is getting old. I have his numbers here that, yeah, he's old and is still rocking over a 900 save percentage. But it's decreasing, man. 907 and 905 in the last two seasons, respectively. Um, career lows and wins the last two seasons. Also still shrinking. Not career highs and losses because he used to play like 70 games a season. But, you know, his numbers are getting to career lows. And it's not good for him. Granted, I get it, he's going to be in a backup position. But if the wheels fall off Samson off, because who knows if he was just a hot goaltender last year and then... If his wheels fall off, you're relying on a 38-year-old Henry Lundqvist who's going to be 39 uh, around midseason. Good luck with that. And with Justin Schultz as your def defense in front of him, good luck with that. Um, and I'm not saying the Penguins aren't in a kind of similar situation with... That's what I was waiting to say because I know... Go ahead. I know we're kind of in a similar situa situation with we're putting a lot of faith into a young goaltender. Um. But, and I also wrote down notes that we have the third least amount of NHL games experience in the league for our goaltending pair, as of now at least. Sounds about right. It is. It's uh, right behind us is Chicago, who needs to sign a goalie, so that could so they could jump over us if they find a starter. Um, and after that, it's the New York Rangers in Georgiev and Shesterkin with 89 career games played between the two of them. Oh, sorry. Chicago has the least. They're at 84. But it's close. We're at like 112. But again, they need to sign a goaltender. The Rangers? No, the Blackhawks. Oh, the Blackhawks. Yeah, they're going to sign and jump over us. But that's a lot of faith to put into a very young goalie and a very old goalie in Washington. So best of luck. If it works, it works. That's great. I'm just saying for now, let's not say, hey, they're going to be a great one-two punch because both of them could fall apart. Yeah, and as you mentioned with Samsonov only playing 20. I know it's more than 20, but it's not like Tristan Jari's leaps and bounds played more games than Ilya Samsonov. Right. And Casey DeSmith, 
at least Lungfist has that resume as a starter in this league. Casey DeSmith, for as good as he has been in the NHL, that would be a big leap for him if he had to fill those shoes. So I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I'm not totally off the boat with the Capitals' goaltending situation. I think Samsonov is a great talent, and I think Lundqvist is the great guy to go behind him, So, especially at the contract that they got him for. So, Yeah, it is a it is a good deal. I can't doubt that. I think I mentioned to you, like, hey, if any other year, I'm hooting and hollering for this for the Penguins to make a ton of signings of a lot of these free agents, and he would have been in there. Any other year, I'd have been all about it. This year, just you can't do it this year with us. Um, Samsonov also has 26 career games played this year. 26. Er, this year. 26 career games played. I mean, they were all this year. So, let me start off my call out this week with a question to you, Horwat. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with Max Domi? What, what's, what's wrong with him? Because he's 25 years old. He's now been traded twice. Uh-huh. Even as a fan favorite in Montreal, a player that has scored over 70 points in three of his five NHL seasons, he's electric on the ice. He's electric off the ice. The guy obviously cares. He went and played in the bubble having type 1 diabetes and knowing the risks. He wanted to be there for his teammates, yet Mark Vergevan ships him out to Columbus I believe he also had to attach a pick to bring back a player that is definitely not of that caliber. So I don't understand my call out this week, To if, if nobody has picked up on it yet, is Canadiens general manager Mark Bergevin for trading away one of his better offensive players. I get you want size, but you don't get 70-point players all the live long day. And no, Domi did not finish last season with 70 points, but three of his first five. The kid's 25 years old, and then he signed a decent contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's not like he's commanding an arm and a leg to play the game. So I don't understand the thought process. Something has to be amiss because the fact that he got traded out of Arizona and now the fact that he got traded out of Montreal, is he a locker room cancer? Is there something that we're missing? Because it seems like he is a very good player on the ice and it seems like he is a very good ambassador of the game off the ice so I don't understand the move and to me I Mark Bergevin has made some very good moves this offseason but historically Mark Bergevin has also made some head scratchers this one to me goes into the head scratcher column that's 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 all I have to say about it and I just want to know is there something wrong with Max Domi that he continues to get traded even after producing He's a Darren Ferris client. That could be part of it. <laughs> no one wants to deal with Darren Ferris. He said someone else, uh, Bergevin said someone else handle this. Because uh, if he stays here, he's, I'm going to start getting called out, then I'm going to have to pay him $9 million. Fair enough, but then how did that not happen with Yarmo Kekalainen in Columbus? He signed like two days after he got traded. Would you mess with a man named Yarmo Kekalainen? I wouldn't look in the face of a man named Yarmo Kekalainen without fear of being punched. Exactly. And I get Mark Bergevin's biceps are huge. I saw that <laughs> picture a little while ago, and that worried me because he's a general manager and not a player anymore. But I, I don't know what it is with Max Domi. Some guys just get bounced around like that. I mean, you can't help it. David Perron's a pretty good talent, and he's been shipped in and out of St. Louis four times. 
Um, Only shipped out, remember. He always signs with St. Louis, and then he trade him. Good point. But <laughs> some guys are just made to bounce around the league. It's just the way it is. It, it, no one is ever safe. If Gretzky can get traded, anyone can. Yeah, uh, you keep yeah, bringing that up. And realistic, we need to realize that that was a misjudgment on Edmonton's part. It was also poor ownership there. Yeah. But who knows? It's just sometimes guys bounce around. Good players bounce around a lot. There's nothing you can do about it. He's just one of those guys. And I mean, people love him, but I guess people also really don't like him, I guess, because reasons. He's not good enough. (laughs) Wasn't he playing on the fourth line there, too? In the playoffs, he ended up playing on the fourth line, yeah. Yeah, he also probably didn't even want to stay. That's possible. There was some tension between him and head coach Claude Julien, but, I mean, sometimes really a player that of his caliber and a player like him, fan favorite, I would have just paid the man. But that's my personal opinion. So I, I, I know one thing's for sure. He is going to be awful to play against when he's playing for John Tortorella. He's going to be absolutely awful to play against for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, yep. if you're Yarmo Kukalina, you are just swimming in it right now. Just swimming in it. You're happy as can be with the, the way that you mentioned this. The keeps getting stronger, man. Yeah, let's try not to cry a little too much over that. Let's move on to our shout-outs. Let's bring it up with some cheery happiness. Horwat, lead us off. I, I'm shouting out Jim Rutherford for just handing out $700,000 contracts like it's candy on Halloween. <laughs> He's like, anyone who wants one, let's go. Bring them all in. My depth, my depth forwards need to be filled. Big tall guy, yeah, you can play center here. Rodriguez, welcome back. Here's 700000 Uh, Who else did he hand 700000 to? <laughs> yeah. Sam Lafferty, you're from here. Angelo, you you played a couple games. Well, An- Angelo got a little more than seven hundred thousand. Angelo got one point, I think one point five or something like that. But uh, the point is, he's not handing out big contracts. Yeah. Oh, you have to travel in. All right, here's an extra couple couple bucks. We're staying. We have everyone. We have an internal cap. Screw all of you. Yeah, and they still might have some moves to make if they want it to get down a little bit lower. But I mean, 2.5 is more than we've seen the penguins go into a season yeah. with in a long time. Yep. But yeah, that's my cause straight up or shout out is straight up. Just Jim Rutherford for not caring about anything more than league minimum players right now. Minor. My shout out is actually along those lines. My shout out goes double wide this week. It goes to Jack Johnson and Matt Murray. I mean, both of these guys, and in all honesty, listen, I, I was kind of dancing on Jack Johnson's grave whenever the buyout news came in, but I was very excited I didn't have to watch him play hockey. But again, nothing against the man. You mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier. Both of these players were crucified from the start in Pittsburgh. Yep. I mean, from all accounts, they were great teammates. They were great guys. Jack Johnson was never going to live up to, get to that contract. Never. Yeah. There was not a chance. It's not his fault that he doesn't have the skill and he's put it in these bad situations where what's he going to do? Say, no, don't pay me that much money. What's he going to do? Say, no, I don't want that many minutes. He's going to go out there and do, he's going to sign the best contract for him. And then he's going to go out there and do what his coach asks of him. And he's going to try his best. And yes, his best was not very good at some points and actually at most points, but he was never going to live up to that contract. Great guy. Hope he plays better in New York, not against us, but against everybody else. Sure, yeah, play better. And then you have Matt Murray, 
who was never going to exceed the Marc-Andre Fleury shadow. There was never a chance that he was going to exceed that. The biggest, brightest spot of Matt Murray not being on this team is whenever a goal goes in and somebody says Fleury would have stopped that, there's no reason for it. Then you're just outing yourself as somebody that enjoys being a Twitter troll. That is until we re-sign Flurry. Anyway, I don't think we're going to do that. But no. <laughs> Flurry would have stopped that. Well, he didn't. He's a nut. <laughs> Are you watching the game, bud? Um, no, the Flurry thing is a bunch of drama that we'll, we'll discuss if it actually happens. But, mm. yeah, I shout out to or, yeah, shout out to Jack Johnson and uh, Matt Murray is his name. <laughs> It's been a long episode for us. We had to go through technical difficulties. But, yeah, shout out to those two. Anytime someone leaves a team, it's hard on the player themselves personally because you got to go through a move. you got to uproot a family usually. In Jack Johnson's case especially, he's got a couple of kids, I think. So moving them out possibly to New York, um, it's not easy to do. Um, we always just wishing the best of luck in their future endeavors whether it be in hockey still, whether it be in sitting in the press box in Jack Johnson's case, because who knows what's going to happen there, who knows how they're going to handle him. But, I mean, like I said, Jack Johnson's making money from two teams now. Matt Murray's making his bag, and they both have the chance to be on very good teams. Jack Johnson had career uncertainty before Jim Rutherford signed him a couple seasons ago, and it was in an episode of... uh, in the room, they said, are you excited? What are your feelings about starting with the Pittsburgh Penguins? And he said, honestly, I'm just happy that I got the term on the contract so I can settle my family down and we don't have to move again. Unfortunately, two years later, it, he gets bought out. Now he's going yeah. to New York. And listen, again, of no fault of his own, you can only be as good as you are. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you can only be as good as the positions you're put in. And he wasn't put in the right position to succeed here in Pittsburgh. Similar, it, it makes me think about what happened to Ryan Reeves in his time here. Although Ryan Reeves wasn't crucified as badly as Jack Johnson was. but And Ryan Reeves was also a better hockey player than Jack Johnson. But, again, wishing all the best to JJ and Double M. And hopefully, I mean, Matt Murray, he has a very bright future as a hockey yeah. player. If oh, he yeah. can find consistency. Jack Johnson, on the other hand, I just hope he can continue to play as long as he can and he can support his family and do all the right things and hopefully finds that consistency in home at some point here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, if anything, Jack Johnson can look back and say he had a hell of a career. I mean, he will always have that under his belt. He's played how many hundreds of NHL games. That's a lot more than a lot of guys can say. Yeah. And he still, he, he went out and got signed again. So yeah, you got dropped, but then he got signed. So, a a lot of players would kill to have a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the New York Rangers. Jack Johnson has that. Yep. So, who knows? Maybe he turns his career around. Who knows? Anytime someone joins a new team, anytime there's a draft, any new season, it's magic beans. Here we go. Let's start up this roller coaster. Who knows what his future honestly holds for him? One thing is for certain, and it won't be with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So That's okay by me. Well, that'll do it for episode 80. Like you said, it was a little bit of a rough one. Very content heavy. It's been a very busy week for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for the NHL as a whole. But we will be back next week with episode 81. Hopefully we continue to have some news, I would imagine. So considering Trader Jim is probably just getting started in this offseason. So 
Have a good week, Pens fans, and keep an eye on those Twitter feeds for Trader Jim. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.